Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 208 with Matthias Wiekland, who is a pattern cutter at H&M. I believe I got that profession right, hopefully. Um, Matthias reached out to me um, about a month ago or so, and he had this really interesting idea. He wants to kind of get into more CGI and 3D and animation and kind of the industry that we all work in. I think most of us that are listening to this are in this kind of industry. Um, and he had this proposal that he would come on and we would talk about it. He would ask, you know, common questions that I, I encounter um, from people that possible you guys are listening to it and also just fans of the work. And um, I thought it'd be really interesting to kind of, it's like an open-based mentorship. It's a very unique episode where it's not, because um, most of the time, you know, I'll have these people on that have had these accolades and these accomplishments. Matthias is actually starting from the ground zero, basically. And we all have to start from somewhere. So it's really interesting. So we talk about a lot of things in this episode that I think that hopefully will be good resources that um, you could take along the way at uh, as the same time as Matthias is doing. So, um, and it's all real time, obviously. And it's very interesting. Um, but we kind of talk about the dynamics of there's just a lot of stuff in this episode. I'm trying to go like recollect through the episode, but we talk a bit about what programs are used, why um, certain programs are used, what educational platforms and resources to use, why to use them. Um, and then we kind of end with like this roadmap. Um, I think you all know by now I'm super stri- like strict about my time and uses of time. So I have a very rigid system and, um, so I kind of talk a little bit about that. It's a question I do a lot of, um, if you listen to this and don't follow me on Instagram, if you do, you know that I do a lot of like one, once a week or every other week or so I'll do like, um, ask me anything on my stories. And then I get a lot of the common questions. So a lot of these questions are open and answered dynamically here, which I think is hopefully it's a good resource for y'all. Um, but this is really cool. I appreciate Matias. Thank you, Matias, for coming on here and doing this because he's exposing himself at the same time, he's getting me directly one-on-one, so I'm giving him information, and it's up to him to do with, with it whatever he's going to do. Um, I hope that he does things with it. So, And I think this is the, the goal of this is to um, have Matias come on um, whenever he's ready to kind of reveal another like plateau or what wall he's hitting um, and what stage he's at, and then we can kind of document the process and see. I think we're working on like a, a one-year process, a 12-month process, and his end goal is to go out and make like a an animated piece, like a, a short animated film. So that's a huge goal. There's a lot of things that need to be processed and think, thought about, and there's a schedule that you have to work backwards from. So um, this is a lot of stuff, a lot of things to think about and, and, to, and to consider. So um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's the summation of this episode. It's very different, it's unorthodox, um, but I love it. I love doing these different types of things, and it's really kind of connected. It's very closely connected to when I would do mentorships at Learn Squared. It was very close to that. Um, so it's cool. You guys get to get like uh, inside of this, and also get to see kind of how it works. Um, so that's that's going to be it. So let's get started, everybody. This is going to be episode two hundred and eight. Let's begin. So this is a unique, interesting episode. Matthias, oh, I'm pronouncing your name, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Matthias reached out to me via email and he had this really interesting idea 
this is actually something that I think would makes a lot of sense because I get a lot of questions, um, emails, inquiries that are really kind of focused around what Matthias is going through and what he's going to be diving into and his curiosity and questions about what it is I do in these parts of the industry and these kind of things. And so his proposal was to come on here to the podcast and kind of open diary, share his journey, but at the same time, ask questions. And then I'll do my best to kind of guide him along. It's kind of like this interesting hybrid mentorship podcast kind of thing. So when he told me, I thought it was very interesting. I, I sent off the idea to Andrew. Andrew really liked it as well. So we're here. So yes, cheers. We're here. <laughs> so Matthias, you work. So I think we should do is maybe get the listeners like um, an understanding of who it is that you are, where you come from, what you've been doing for the past like five to 10 years, whatever. I think that yeah. would give a good basis for kind of where you are in the world and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, simply enough, my name is Matthias, as you said. Um, I work at H&M as a pattern cutter doing their suits. Um, so uh, kind of why I got into the 3D thing was, um, so the fashion industry is kind of like, I want to say revolutionizing, but it's getting into more and more 3D at the moment. Like there's a lot of, um, clothes design and like all the different kinds of like Gerber or Lectra is doing their own kind of, um, 3D, um, I don't know really how to explain it, but it's, it's basically a simulation of clothes. Yeah. Like Marvelous Designer, right? Yeah. And I actually started looking into Marvelous Designer. It's fun, but it's, um, it's very far from how you actually make clothes. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, well, I would say the biggest difference is that, um, you start off from absolutely not being able to see anything. So in the 3D world, you can kind of like guess how long everything should be. And like, you can do a lot of changes straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, as you actually make clothes, you, you have kind of your block garments in a lot of sense, but if you start from absolute scratch, you need to have like a deep understanding of like, how, why is the side at a certain length? Why is the length is going to be a certain length? Where's the waist? Um, how do you find shape within, because like, if I'm working on a suit jacket, um, just the body itself, I have about three pieces and then different lines where I need to give shape in different directions just to like give you a specific kind of look. Um, so marvelous kind of does that, but you, the workflow is extremely different. Mm. Like marvelous. I can, I, I jumped into it and like, I was able to make like shirts and pants and shit, but, um, there's so much more that goes into clothes normally. Like you have shoulder pads and chest pieces and sleeve head rolls and you have fusings at different levels and mm. you kind of build up in a very different way than you actually do in Marvel's designer, which is why, um, I think it's so interesting going into actually making clothes in 3d, but at the same time, I see all the problems, you know, like, it's good. Is this actually accurate? Mm. You know what I mean? Well, I guess it's more of an approximation sketch, right? Is that more accurate to say? Yeah, I would say the same. And I think that that's what it's going to be like for a long time. At the same time, I really want to get into actually trying to make a proper uh, shoulder pad because like, um, you're working really by millimeters. Mm. 
in like height of a shoulder pad depend and like the shape of it is so important to like how your padding is going to look in the end of it. Mm. So you can't really just like throw in any sleeve head roll or any chest piece and just be like, nah, it's good enough. Like, nah, hmm. it's not going to be that in the end of it. Fashion's always really interested me. I'm not a fashion kind of guy. Um, I just kind of wear pajamas most of the time and like sweatpants. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, actually kind of funny part, is when I watched, uh, <laughs> I mean, you got to wear comfortable, you know? So, but when I was watching yeah. Alexander McQueen's like documentary, he would always just like be wearing like sweatpants or casual gear, like for a lot, for the big part of his early career. I think that's what I saw him wearing, which I thought was yeah. really interesting because, um, a person that would be doing such high levels and interesting, um, levels of fashion, um, he wasn't dressing the same. It was, it was kind of like this funny thing. I guess that's kind of the testament to a creator. That's like, it's not, it's yeah. unlike maybe like, um, um, Tom Ford, who from what I've seen almost does always well dressed and well like cared for cleanly. So, yeah. which is totally not my style. Not that I don't appreciate it. I do left. I have a nice Hugo boss, like suit and, um, that yeah. I, I love to put on cause I feel like a superhero. I get, there's nothing better than a well-footed piece of outfit, you know? Cause yeah. it's almost like you adorn yourself in this really unique thing. So I really appreciate that. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm friends with Arielson Hughes, Hughes who, who created, um, acronym and his stuff is outstanding. And I just really love his stuff too. So, but yeah, on a daily, I just wear pajamas basically. So, <laughs> but I, lo- yeah, I love it. So that's really interesting. Smaller. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a distraction though when you come to work because you're you're not supposed to look good. You're supposed to do a job in the end of it. Yeah, and like you can look good doing it, but I mean, if you're not producing what you should produce, then like, what good does it make anyway? Yeah, that's and true. It was uh, quite brilliant, though I must say. What's um, it? Alexander McQueen. Oh yeah, yeah. What was what is it about his work and what he did? makes you think that it was brilliant. I'm just curious because I, I agree, but I'm just curious like what speaks to you. I, I think mainly it's because the the way he interpreted like volumes and such. Um because he he did do a lot of like I think like what he's most known for is like the skulls and everything. But you know um I don't know the he he really pushed it to the next level and just shapes, I feel like, in a lot of sense. Hmm um like the silhouette and and yeah yeah absolutely thinking outside of the box i mean because you have to put in context right of time in the industry when he was doing it and all that kind of stuff too you know so i guess that makes sense too yeah yeah hmm. yeah I, I i liked his documentary it's very sad that he killed himself but i could see him as being a troubled artist you know so and i just i'm just saying this because it's the little things that i do know about fashion industry um, oh. another thing is like, I know I watched the fast fashion documentary, which is interesting. I think H and M was on that list too. <laughs> no, fast fashion, no, was it H and M? Was it like, um, I, I haven't actually seen the documentary, so I can't speculate, but H and M is a fast fashion company. The, um, the whole concept of H and M is to make clothes, um, for the entire world. Mm. And I mean, that is a lot of like, because it's so much about like, you should buy this to get the next thing and get the next thing. Like it, it is a company after all who needs to make money. 
Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the turnaround rate and this, like the, the, the piles of waste, it, it was interesting yeah. documentary because it also talked about like companies like Patagonia who like they design a jacket that you will live with mm-hmm. for as long as you can. It's not a good business model, but it's actually really good for like longevity of people, which is yeah. interesting. It's just another controversial thing, you know? So, and then the last yeah. thing I know is I watched Phantom Thread. So yeah, <laughs> I love Phantom Thread. The, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie was just really brilliant. So, yeah, I need to watch that. I don't know where what it is. Yeah, it's very good. I don't know if you like those kind of movies, but I love his movies. So, yeah, yeah. it's an interesting one. So, uh, sorry, what you were saying? Uh, nothing. Oh, okay. Nothing. Sorry, it's even though now that we're looking at each other, still sometimes it's hard because I don't mean to interrupt. So, um. <laughs> So that's interesting that there's that disconnection. Your main question though was more or less like you're thinking about making the voyage into 3D though, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, because as soon as I started with Marvelous a little bit, I started playing around with the different, some different programs, you know, like uh, downloading the um, 30 days trials and ending up in Blender to be fair, because, well, it's free and I can use it for a year. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't need to invest a lot of money into it that's a real big um, problem i think for people to not to cut you off but that was like one of the biggest contact points that and that's why there's a lot of piracy that exists in this industry because a lot of people are like well i wouldn't spend three thousand dollars on something i don't think i will use or know or have the potential to make anything out of it it's a huge <laughs> threshold issue you know so that's why they a lot of companies have shifted to the um the subscription base system like like um, yeah because like when i was starting like adobe was like three thousand dollars or something for um photoshop and stuff so it was a very it was like impossible for anybody that wasn't making money off it to use it and that that was a hindrance to it actually becoming something of the staple in the industry but then when they shifted that it made made it more useful it was like oh okay this makes a lot of sense and now it's like it's totally affordable and now they've i'm sure it's helped open up a massive amounts of money because there's more people using it so yeah that's a big problem that's i mean i haven't used blender because simply because i've been using cinema 4d for such a long time so yeah but i hear it's very powerful and the things i've seen from it and it's got eve in it now which is great so it's like yeah i do love it because like even my macbook can actually like see a lot of stuff in it and i do realize the problems that comes with it like you you will just see shadows every once in a while which is just like uh why is it blocking out everything but (laughs) at the same time if you're doing it for the first time maybe everything doesn't need to be production value of like a big movie or anything like you can just do it because you need to do something you know what i mean because like i i feel like a lot of people who gets into this feels like Oh man, I really need to learn. Like, you go straight to like uh, Octane renders or Redshift or anything like that. I still Google it every, like all the time. You just be like, oh man, uh, everyone is talking about like, you need to do this and you need to do it. And yeah. I'm just like, so how do you make a cube yeah. in the first place? Let's start <laughs> with that and sure. let's not get into like so much money just to like make such a small thing in the in the beginning yes that's the barrier of entry is huge and you have to kind of from my standpoint and i i don't know like i mean it's kind of interesting that you're asking me these questions because i don't really see myself as a cg guy but i also don't see myself as much of anything i just see myself as doing as much as i can and just being creative and curious 
So I don't yeah. really, I wear all these hats, but I don't really wear them if that makes sense. So I'm not, I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm, not I'm not an official user and like, I don't, I'm not like, um, even like for design, I don't go, I'm a designer. I just don't say that, you know, but I don't, but what I'm getting at is, 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 um, with these softwares, with these things, there are ways to get to a certain place. If but yeah. you need to be very clear about your intentions and goals at the beginning so that you know what path that you should possibly take. Like you wouldn't use, um, blender to do cloth simulations for like clothing. You would use marvelous designer. Most likely if, that's probably mm-hmm. the best and most useful tool for doing clothing that I know of in CGI as of now. Of course, it's yeah. going to advance. Of course, it's going to get better. Um, and that's just the progression of it. Right now, I think they're the one of the only ones, I believe. There could be others. I don't know. Um, but that's um, one thing that you need to, you know, you have to think about what it is that your end goal is. If you, all you want to do is make a cube, well, there's a lot of tutorials online and YouTube and stuff like that that will give you information. Yeah. I learned most of what I learned in the beginning off of Grayscale Gorilla. There's a great resource. Nick Campbell's yeah, resource. I've yeah, looked at that a little bit. Yeah, and it's but great. It's, like it's, it's fun and easy. And if you go all the way back to the beginning, there's a lot of useful, yeah. simple information. But if you're not using cinema, yeah, then then it gets kind of complicated because you're like, wait, what? You kind of have to have somebody usher you along. It's yeah. like a language. It's very much like a language. Um I was just before we were doing this call, I was talking with my friend Olaf and he was showing me Nuke. Nuke is like a really powerful compositing software. Mm -hmm. It's like After Effects, but it's different because it's node based, but it's a whole nother language. You have to understand how the language works and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like different levels of checks and balances. So definitely it's important, but it's also very complicated and it's hard to navigate those things, you know? So, yeah stuff yeah that's also one of those things though like <laughs> i uh, i guess you get into it more and more but you're gonna be very confused in the beginning um like just the language that you're using within this industry or whatever yeah um like all this like what is a complete texture or what is a complete material what is a complete like all these kind of things yet modeling can be completely like so frustrating because it's like, yeah, you just throw in like this kind of modeling thing and you're like, ah, where am I? (laughs) Someone is using a shortcut in a tutorial and you're not like ready for it. And you're like, no, wait, I need to go back five steps because I don't get that one thing. I really hate that part. Yeah. I hate that part. But because the, the, the learning curve never ends, honestly, and it's a huge. It's like, it's like a. It's like going up Everest in the beginning, and then it's you start to uh-huh. go, you start to plateau out a little bit, and then you learn more because, like, yeah, there's like um. So Francois, my friend, and I, a friendly robot that he goes by, we just completed a, our latest short film. It's called Passage, and in that process of making that, we use like twenty programs. It, we had yeah, to use all those things it. to make it. You know, so. Yeah, I watched it just before this call because I I've, I've been meaning to watch it a few times and then I just been like, oh shit, I can't take the call before watching it. So, <laughs> yeah. but now if, if you look at it, it's like um, if I had to translate and explain how many things and why we did what we did, it probably yeah. wouldn't make much sense. You could probably do a lot of it with a couple programs, but you have to use special programs and try things and stuff. So. But it is true. It's like, yeah, even with modeling is a perfect example because you have poly-based modeling, modeling, which yeah. is like, you know, 
usual like that's the usual modeling base but um yeah. blender has some really great boolean tools and like really great if you want yeah. to learn like really good tutorials and blender um my friend see blender gumroad um oh i'm trying to blank i had him on the podcast he's awesome um uh yeah von ling von ling has really good gumroad tutorials i'll send you a link right now um yeah he has really good yeah i I think there's a there's quite a few of them some of them which is just horrible and some of them which are like oh i would never got this like without it yes you especially if you're starting out you really need to find a mentor or a teacher you have to invest the time you have to invest the money so like right now for a perfect example is like Vaughn is like really proficient with Blender. He's kind of like the, from what I've seen from the outside looking in, he's one of like the staples. There's also like Jama Jurbaev, who's another um, teacher. He worked at Learn Squared, but he also does his own Gumroads and, and instructional tutorials. But anyways, yeah. Vaughn has like an online class. It costs $700. I don't know what he's providing for it. So I, I, it's kind of like, I wish he was here. You he could explain it, but you could look at the details and stuff, but anyways, you're like, Oh, $700 is a lot of money, but like nothing beats the amount of information that you can get directly from a source. Nothing would be. Yeah. So you can't put, even put a price on how priceless that is because you could learn a certain amount of skills from this person at a certain amount of time that could equate to hundreds of thousands of dollars in the preceding years, you know? So it's like, mm. it's almost like you invest a little bit, and I always say, if you're ever going to take a risk, you take it on yourself. Always, yeah. you know, like if there's ever a thing to risk, it's for yourself and your own desires of, you know, bettering yourself. So like education or whatever. Yeah. And it's so much better because like when I first started in the industry or like years ago when I was going to college, you had to go to like a location and you had to go and sit through a lot of classes that you didn't really care about or weren't passionate about or weren't interested. They're important to take those to give you a variety but if I just wanted to learn how to use Blender and focus on that, you have those direct sources, you know, which are really great. And you don't have to go to a yeah. location. So you don't have to be like in L.A. to take the class. You can take yeah. it online. It's, it's always better to be there in person, obviously. You want to have them like sit right next to you. Another avenue I was going to tell you when you're asking about all this stuff is if I were on your roadmap, if you wanted to do this and be really serious about it, well, you'd have mm. to invest like this year in all your free time and basically say no to like everything else and just dedicate yourself completely to focusing on getting better at it. Then what mm-hmm. you should do is go and work at a studio as like a basic person, learn from the people yeah. that are around you that are better, always ask questions and learn from them, spend a year or two there, learn, and in exchange, you give them your work and all that kind of stuff. You take that and then you go off and on your own and then you venture out and do stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the thing is, though, because, like, of course, I can't quit my job and do this full time, like, because, well, I need to eat, I need to live, I need to see my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I actually been thinking, like, maybe I should just, like, reach out to any kind of studio in Stockholm, just be like, hey, can I sit by you for a few hours every day and like if you work late or whatever yes you can intern like yeah yeah exactly interns great and sometimes i mean studios will need that help you know and you know just like you reached out to me to do this you should do the same effort and ask all the studios that are somewhat local to you so that you can do that because i'm telling you the, the best thing that i ever had was 
learning directly from people in real time in real space it yeah. takes a tremendous amount of discipline to learn online because you have to really want it because you're 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 going to run into pitfalls all the time because yeah you're watching a tutorial and then they do that one thing where they're using their keyboard and they didn't tell you and you're like fuck you know and then you have to go yeah. backwards an hour and then go forwards and then it's just like you lose patience very quickly. But I would say like after watching some of Vaughn's tutorials, like if you want to go the blender route, I'll just be really clear and, and open though. Like blender isn't an industry standard in quotes. No, program. no. And like, I don't think we should talk about blender in general. Yes. Talk in general overall. Yeah, to totally. Honest. But I, I mean, there are specifics to this, but oh, I will preface yeah, that, that, that Vaughn does work in the industry very highly at a high level and he uses mm-hmm. these tools. So, I'm saying that in quotations. What I mean is like Maya is kind of like the staple when it comes to VisFX still. Cinema 4D is yeah. starting to move its way into that that realm. 3D Studio Max is also like a very big industry standard kind of tool. But they're mm-hmm. huge. They're big. They're kind of clunky. They move slow. So there's all these different pitfalls to things, you know. So it's just things to keep in mind. But learning learning Blender is not a bad thing because you can. it's free. And you can learn it and you can invest a little bit, buy some tutorials, really get a good understanding of it. That'll get your mind thinking in the language of how 3D and CGI works, you know? Yeah. So, which is very, very valuable. And the problem I would say from here, from a blank state point, is that if you go too far, you're going to create these deep habits and patterns in your thinking. So when you go into like learning, say, a program like um, ZBrush, which is completely throws almost everything out the door. Oh my God, I've tried ZBrush. I, seriously? Yeah, it's very difficult because <laughs> if, so you, difficult. if you come from using like any other program, it's a very difficult program because they made their program so, so specific. So it's almost like the yeah. equivalent of learning like Mandarin from English or something, you know? It's like it's yeah. so different in every capacity. So, but at, at the same time, if you understood ZBrush, you, it's yeah. super powerful like amazing yeah. tool. And that's another, that's an industry standard tool too. So, um, but again, as they say, industry standard, if you look at the results that I've seen from some people use blender, like very highly at a very high level. And it's like, well, it doesn't really matter, you know? So it's just, you know, it's all in oh, what you like, want. You have to go back yeah. to what, what is it that you want? Do you want to make your own movies? Do you want to do vis effects? Do you want to, you know, be a jack of all trades. Do you want to be the killer in the, in the, in your industry for fashion? Do you want to do that? Like, if you want, once you understand kind of like the goal at the end, you can work backwards, you know? So mm. at least that's what I think. So uh, it makes sense though. Well, you have to know your destination, your destination. Will, like, it's like if you were to fly to Hawaii or something, you wouldn't go, Oh, I'm going to go down to South Africa and then I'm going to go, up to like, you know, India. And I mean, it's like, no, why would you do that? Why don't you just fly there? A lot of times people don't know what their destination is. So, you know, yeah. and then they just kind of float around and then they end up doing like every days or something, which is good. They're still doing something every day, but they're not, they don't have like a, this is what I'm learning and this is why I'm learning it. You know, I think if you had a direction and a point, it'll really help you, you know? So at least that's just me. Yeah. I don't know. again i always say my advice with like a you know precursor of i don't have your answers you know no of course uh i think you made a really interesting point though about like going to someone who knows it and talk to them instead of just going yourself because 
I know within my profession what I've been doing for, I mean, a few years now. Um, like being at an assistant level, like just having someone to tell you, no, this isn't good enough. Like in school, you're going to do like so much stuff where you're like, oh yeah, I think this is actually really good. And then you go into real world and you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. There's a threshold. It, yeah, There is a threshold. And like, I think it's super important that people actually realize that you have to take criticism for like everything you do all the time and just take it with like a little bit of ease. Like it's okay that you're not the best in the world right now as you're starting out. But at the same time, don't put all that, like, um, someone trying to like give you advice or anything like that and just feel like, ah, oh, he's, he's just a dick right now. I don't think that this is really for me because he doesn't really know where I'm at. Mm. Yeah, you know it's true. I mean? No, it's very true. I actually, so if I give you my story, I encountered that threshold moment when I worked at Prologue. I worked at Prologue. It was a studio. I don't know if you're familiar with their work, but they're one of the best ever. And they do some of the most uh -huh. incredible like title design and vis effects and like motion graphics and stuff. Really insane work. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, learning there, I learned quickly in my student years or working at my other jobs, I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm doing good. This is great. When I went there, yeah. they were like, no, this is shit. This is garbage. And I was like, it hurt, you know, cause I was like, oh, everybody told me I was good. And it was almost like I, I shat my reality shattered. And then yeah. I, then I picked up the pieces and whatever was good. I kept it. And then the rest of it, I just threw away, you know? So then yeah. I just kind of moved forward, but it's, you're, it's true. When you hit the industry, the industry has a certain level. And you don't realize yeah. that because a student, you're basically at the level of a hobbyist. Yeah. It's, it's just the facts, you know, like as a student, you're still, you're learning so much and you're still so naive to the situation that when you go into the professional level, you're just going to get run over with it. Basically. It's very rare for a student right. to come in and be just at the same level, but being humble and mindful of that really helps your learning progress because you're like, okay, I can step outside of my own ego for the betterment of growth, you know, and that's a real, yeah. like, that's a huge trait to kind of go forward with, you know, so which, which works and makes sense. So, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. It sounds like you already know that because working in the industry, those kind of things, which are great about working in the industry will transfer easy. So that's like almost like having free money that you can transfer over to another account, you know, like, Oh, I already yeah. heard this information so I can apply it here. And then, you know, so on and so forth, you know, so, which helps a lot. So, um, yeah. So do you have an idea of where you want to be at the end of this? Do you have a goal or like a vision or somebody that you've seen that you admire that you want to kind of emulate that path? I think like what I want to do is just to make like a very short, um, like, of course you get all these visions in your head and inspiration. Of course. Um, but I want to make like a very short film, like just waking up and going to the subway, like three minute clip or anything like that, probably less in a very simple kind of like, um, you saw, yeah, you had that guy on the podcast, uh, Spider-Man into the verse. Yes. Yes. So kind of in the same way they did it with like making it 3d, but at the same time looking very 2d 
um, very low frame rate. And that is mainly just because like I'm working on a MacBook. Um, <laughs> let's be honest with like render times and anything like that. I'm not going to be doing like something completely, uh, like insane. I can't, I can't do a 15 hour render time on this machine for like six years to be able to do like three minute clips. That's like, yeah, know your limits as well. You'll have to invest in good gear too. That's another thing you're going to have to do. Even if you want to do that style, like that. Patrick O'Keefe, or <laughs> you just, it's just inevitable. You're you're saying like, it's almost like you're looking at a road that's made for four buying and you're like, you're in your little Honda Civic. You're like, I think I can make it like, no, why would you even enter that road? Because you need to have the right tool for the job. And it's almost like I had that problem too. For many years in my career, I had used like a shitty Mac pro, like old one, not shitty. I mean, it was great for what it was, but it was old and it wouldn't load. It wouldn't load files. I couldn't use 3d and it would like render very slowly and it was driving me crazy, but it was hindering me. But the problem is I was making enough money to afford a new machine. I just didn't do it. Then I was like, you know what? Screw it. So I made a huge, powerful PC. I had mm-hmm. that all set and I did that. And then it allowed me to enter into using more tools and having more abilities. So again, it's going to come down to investing in yourself. If you really want to take this seriously, you should use the advice that you gave yourself just a minute ago about being professional or having that threshold yeah. barrier. You need to go, you know what? Uh, I'm serious about this. I want to be good at this. I'm going to mm-hmm. invest $5,000 or whatever it might be into myself to buy this computer so that I can have a better life <laughs> because you're going to hate yeah. your life. If you have to do it on a Mac pro, it'll just, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's a, you can get a lot of stuff done very cleverly and you can achieve things like, so there's a, here's a case study that I think you might like. So, um, let me see, um, and there's a director that I was following that I was very interested in. Um, Shazam, the movie, this, uh, so David Sandberg is his name. I think he's a Swedish guy too. Yeah, um, he is. Yeah. Have you, do you know who he is? Um, he did that biking movie. He's actually like, he's, um, they're referring to him in some music I'm listening to. That's why I know him. I think he's from uh, Luleå. Really? Or Umeå. Maybe. maybe yeah. Okay. From, from Vimeo, right? Yeah. yeah. So he did this uh, short thing called Lights Out, I think. A little short film. But anyways, I followed him. He he has a really great resource on his Vimeo page. I don't know if he still has it on there. Let's see Vimeo. Kung Fury. That's the name. Did he do Kung Fury? I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know that. Um, let's see. Do-do-do. So David F. Sandberg. Um, I've tried to have him on the podcast. He got busy and then he got went straight into the to the madness of Hollywood. But anyways, if you go to his Vimeo page, so he used Blender, okay, which is great. And he shows how oh, he uses Blender cool. and he used it in a very great way. His Vimeo page is outstanding, by the way. And it's crazy because he has a lot of really great information and there's like zero to no plays. It just goes to show you like people, they don't want to put in the time to actually learn. And this guy is giving you information about how he actually managed to do the way he did which is to me is yeah. outstanding because like you didn't have to do that. But anyways, he uses blender. Okay. So free stuff. And uh-huh. when you watch his, when you watch his progression of how he's using blender and how he's growing, he'll use it as basic kind of like storyboarding or kind of getting an, a basic idea. 
and then he'll kind of yeah. build things out from there. But it, it's all about his ideas. And so his whole goal was to make a, be a filmmaker. And so he kind of learned that, but he did it all on a very like affordable, cheap budget and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say by that. I think that I was just mentioning that this is a great resource that he has. So it's, I highly recommend checking out his resource on Vimeo. Um, but he uses like when he's going through this, he was using very simple rudimentary tools. Oh, that's what I meant. It's like, don't think that you need to have the most expensive computer or the most expensive gear. It does help to have that. I'll tell you one thing too, is like, I have like a really kind of a crazy, I don't know. It's like $8,000 computer. I have two of them and I have IMAX. I have a lot of computers that are expensive. I have all that stuff, but even when I push like a program very hard, it won't use all my resources because the programmers have not put it in their coding to utilize all the resources that I've given it. So even then it's bullshit. Right. So, you know, see, I'm, see what I'm saying like there are pitfalls, even when you have the most expensive stuff, it's still, it's like having a very expensive, like Bugatti Veyron or something like that you cannot drive it the speed no, exactly. that it needs to on the road. It's just not allowed. It's not, it's, you know, so there's limitations within that, you know? So, um, no, but yeah. that is mainly why I don't want to, like, I can't, like, I don't want to invest in a computer. The first thing I do, because, you know, like if I get a really expensive computer, then I still need to like, you need to learn how to be efficient in everything. You need to learn, like, do I actually need this many polygons in this specific scene? Do you actually need all of this to like go around and make it look really nice? Yeah. Um, and I kind of want to learn like how much do you need to put into it at certain points? How much, um, how much can you compromise in specific cases? Yeah. And if you do that on a very low budget computer in the beginning, I hope that I'm going to learn like a lot of things that I can take on forward yes. in the long run at the same time. Like, no, I can't make a full movie on a MacBook. <laughs> well, you could, but, and you can direct and make a whole film on an iPhone. Is it going to be great? Maybe. Have you seen the movie Tangerine? <laughs> I have not. What so, is that? There's a movie called Tangerine. Movie. See. It was filmed yeah. all on iPhones. Um, and it was like oh, had cool. huge awards and like they use like here. But I, I you yeah. know, there, it's just like this whole thing where, you know, like, well, what tools do you use and blah, blah, blah. I think if you're a creative and you have ambitions and you have an idea and all this stuff and motivations, you can go out there and make things happen. And you, it is possible to produce and make yeah. things happen. So you check out Tangerine. I haven't watched the movie, but like they have like, I mean, it doesn't look horrible. It honestly looks kind of like when people were making stuff with the five D Mark two and stuff. Um, cause they still graded it. I mean, the, the, there's obviously pitfalls to to it, but it still kind of works. So, yeah, cool. but it doesn't matter. What is a, a story five D Mark Two? That's a camera. Uh, yeah, sorry. So a Canon five D Mark Two. So throughout the oh, time oh. of cameras, there's film cameras. I don't know if you know cameras. There's film cameras, and then there's the digital mm. cameras that came out. Canon yeah. was basically running the show, and then they came out with this Canon five D Mark Two, which is like one of the first. DSLRs that you could use to shoot like not film, but you could shoot um, like 24 frames per second. So it basically mm-hmm. like a, a mini cam quarter basically, but like a really good one and it would work. It worked well. And I think you could shoot in like 1080 or something like that. So it was like a, basically a, a huge break in the, the, the market for like 
hobbyists that became amateur filmmakers and those amateur filmmakers went off to make other films and use things like red and Ari Alexas and stuff like that, which are like mm-hmm. higher class cameras and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, yeah. none of that stuff matters. If you don't have a good story, I've seen a million beautiful things, not million, but I've seen a lot of beautiful films that are using all the best tools, but they just, they're soulless and they don't mean anything because they don't have any kind of connection to go yeah. back to your inspiration and talking about Patrick O'Keefe's work. Well, if you, if you really are serious about it, you need to watch that film and then look at the credits. Look how many people it took to make that thing Yeah, and be aware that you're one of those people that it's not even on that list because you don't have the skills to even be in that arena. So you have to get there, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, not just, I'm not trying to deter you. I'm just saying, that. <laughs> I know it sounds horrible, but it's like also no, being realistic, I, I mean, you know, this is, <laughs> I mean, this is what's happening in the fashion industry all the time, of course. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. I mean, we, <sighs> I mean, if you look like there's no, there's not even credits at H and M of course you have like two designers who's talking about all that's done. And I mean, just at the main office in central Stockholm, there's like 2,500 people. Mm. And yeah. that's not including marketing and it. And that's another like 2000 people. So it's like, Damn. the like the amount of people that it takes to make stuff. So like you can't measure it in like, Oh yeah, it's, you made it so simple here. It's like, mm, took a little bit more. <laughs> it's true. There is a difference though, because you do have Alexander McQueen. You have those outliers, right? So, but to make things at the mass market, yes, it's very complicated. It's very, like Spider-Man has all those people because there's a lot of checks and balances to that movie making experience. Yeah, but you know, like Alexander McQueen probably had a team of like 200 people behind him actually like true. designing a lot of it. That's true. Because uh, most of these like big designers, uh, they're mostly like more concept artists and do like the full picture of everything. Hmm. Um, so you like could cut down all your inspiration. You, you, um, you look at it from a much broader point than actually just like, oh, you, because a designer doesn't need to know pattern cutting for a lot of sense mm. because it's not their job. Yes. And I feel like it's the same in this kind of industry. Like if you're doing, if you're a cameraman, you don't need to know how to, um, 3d model something because that's not your job. doesn't hurt though. And that's a problem. I think that the generation that we are going into is yeah. about the generalist in generation. I really think so. I think the specialist generation is going to go away. A lot of jobs are going to be taken over by AI, with huge amounts of jobs, huge amounts of things that just like like in our industry there was like rotoscoping. Rotoscoping is a bit, uh, on its way out. Um, yeah. the next five eight years or so, we're going to see the end of that. That's a lot of people's jobs. People are doing that. Um, so it's important for that person that's doing that job to have also multifaceted skills. You know. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a, an artist named Raul Marx? I have not. Okay. So I sent you a link right there. So Raul Marx is a friend of mine. He's also a friend of the podcast. We've had him on as a guest. He's an, he's insanely awesome. He's a, he lives out in Australia. He's um, single-handedly part of, like part of doing a lot of the main title sequences that are very popular nowadays. Anyways, he did this title sequence for this um, speaking event called Semi-Permanent. It's 2015 uh-huh. Semi-Permanent opening titles. While you're while you're listening to me, just play it and just watch it. I'm telling you that he is the one that created all of this stuff. He had to help from like two friends, I think. 
But when you watch it, you go, well, damn, this is kind of like very high level <laughs> and it's one person. It's very oh, interesting. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a trend that's happening in, at least in my industry. Like when you look at passage, passage would normally be like the work that a bigger studio or a lar- larger amount of people would do. Yeah. Um, but it was just Francois and I, and also um, Simone Afe who did the score. So it's mainly yeah. a team of three people, um, which I think is a testament to like the power that this, this um, part of the industry allows for people. So I'm just, yeah. I'm also saying that, yes, it does take a lot of people, but at the same time, it doesn't. Because if you look at Raul's work and you look at it and you really study it, you go like, wow, this is very high level. Normally this is like a studio's job, you know, Yeah. but he did it. And, um, but did he, did he do it all himself? You mean? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> and there's a couple artists that are like that. There's more of them rising. Um, the more like things progress in the industry. Um, so let's see. Um, yeah. So, um, ah, he did the main title sequence for true detective. Yes. So him, he worked at a studio. Man called, high cost. What's that? Yeah. Man. And the man in the high castle. Yes. And then halt and catch fire. And if so, I would study him a little bit too, because he has a lot of really good articles on, um, art of the title. There's a lot of good resources out there. Um, he also has like a behind the scenes and he has a file there. So he's like very great at sharing this kind of stuff. He's awesome. He's just a, a great dude too. Just a really awesome, super smart, but he works very resourcefully. So what yeah. I'm is what I'm saying is that's why I keep saying like listen to what I'm telling you, but at the same time question it because there's a lot of um, so also if you're mentioning um, Spider-Man for a quick example is the origin of that style I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure I'm right comes from an artist named Alberto Miego. Alberto mm-hmm. has actually been on this podcast and he's amazing. He's one of my favorite artists. Let me show you his artwork, Alberto. Yeah, do you have netflix i do have you or seen the old. um like love robots sex or something like that? i forget what's called death love uh, and robots i've seen like a little bit of it i watched all the kind of like making of and that kind of stuff i think i've seen an episode at least okay he I did, guess he, time right now he too, did one he did one of the episodes Love, Death, and Robots, I think it's called. Sorry, I keep getting it wrong. Yeah. Um, but he did one of the episodes. I forget what it's called. But anyways, when you look at his work, um, yeah. so if you go back, I've been following him for a long time, but if you look back at his work, he did like, he worked on Tron Uprising, which is like a, a cartoon uh, adaptation of the Tron universe. But like, if you look at his style, it's very unique and it's like really just outstanding, super beautiful. Like if you look at his it kind of eventually evolved into like the work that became what Spider-Man became. Anyways, I'm telling you these origin points because you mentioned that style and Alberto is actually originally like a painter. Um, yeah, you should, ch- you should study him too. Cause he has a couple online talks that are just like insanely great. And he has a lot of really great information out there too, that he shares too. So, and he's just a wild, awesome creative. And he's definitely one of my favorites, like top favorites. Cause he's just, unapologetic with his style he has a very unique style and it's very like specialized and 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 beautiful um and it's hard to mimic because he's already owned that world which is like this hybrid painterly vector art style which is really cool too so um 
So that's where the spider verse came from. So yeah, it's really cool though when you can actually just see anything and you just like, oh god, that's that guy. Yeah, and then like you see it in the end of it. Yeah, when I saw the trailer, I didn't know that they were working on it. I think he might have mentioned it. I introduced him to Beeple and then Mike and him. I think Mike worked on it for a bit. But anyways, when I saw the tr- when I saw the animation on TV as an advertisement, I was like, oh damn, Alberto's mm-hmm. movies here. That's crazy. So his style's <laughs> so good that I knew that. Um, I don't know. I think something happened where like he didn't work on the full production or something like that. But but then Patrick, another artist is really awesome. Patrick came on and um, that's what's great about Sony. Sony will put together a dream team. Patrick's amazing. And Patrick will be able to add to Alberto's work and all that kind of stuff and then add more things to it and evolve it as well. And and then it kind of becomes not just Alberto's style, but also his team style. Von Ling worked on it too. The guy I was talking about with Blender. Vaughn works very closely with Alberto. So it's, it's all kind of connected. So, yeah. Yeah. So normally if you find inspiration from out of anywhere, where do you kind of like start out? Like how do you block out the kind of main theme of what you're going to do? Because, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Because mainly like mainly why I have the question is that I, I feel like I can, and I've, think that a lot of people just start out with like, okay, let's just run, like jump straight into it. And like, I start doing all this stuff and adding something. And then you like kind of get lost where you are at. Yeah. So you don't really have the, like the full concept of this to start with. Yeah. That's a big question. And it's a really complicated one. I think that art is, is best when it's like, um, um, like a, a culmination of many things. So I think artists are actually better off as people if we can experience more um, adversity and differences in our life because we add those things into our art. So Uh what I mean by that is how do you start and what you talk about, like, how do you start? And then if you have an inspiration, let's say you like you're really inspired by, say, like the work of Alberto. Right. And you're like, oh, I really want to do a project like that, but I want to own it of my own. Right. Is that what you're saying? Like you want your own style? Is that what you said? Yeah, I would say that. Or I find maybe three different inspiration. I want to cut it together. Yes. I would suggest you, you actually pull at least three to five different things that you're inspired by and then Mm -hmm. use yourself as a filter to pick and choose what it is that you want to use from each one. So let's say Mm -hmm. like you're really inspired by like old Paris artists, like street artists art, you know, that's one inspiration. And then Mm -hmm. you, then you like Alberto Miego's work because he's got this like interesting look to it that you like that way he does it and you then you like yeah. this other person and then you like how like rembrandt does light and shadow or whatever i'm just making a random a, a culmination what you need to do from there in my my estimation is you need to study those artists don't publicly show it because you're basically copying them but you need to understand how it is that they yeah. make the work that they do by mimicking them and you should never use it for making money you shouldn't use it it's a study because it's like immoral to basically study, <laughs> to sell your studies basically, because you're just going to be yeah. copying somebody and that's just not right. But anyways, you study them, you do studies of them. It's almost like if you were to take like a, a garment from a competitive company, you would take it and I would imagine break it apart, look at how it was made. Right. Yeah. And then you do the same thing. So it's the same thing with art. You would look at it, disassemble it, put it back together. Yeah. You understand that mechanic mechanism you do that to all your sources and then you have all the tools. You just kind of play with them, put them together. You know, it's very disciplinary. Uh-huh. It's very difficult to do, but at the same time, if you're serious about it, then through that like journey of 
taking all your tastes and disassembling them and then putting them together, you will at the end of that journey, create your own entity, basically your own idea, your own taste. I mean, this is a question that I get all the time. It's so hard to like answer. So I'm glad you asked this because I could just send everybody to this podcast because it's very complicated and that's just my approach. I'm sure other artists have totally different approaches as well, but that's what works for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's taking it apart. Am I, am I getting muted or something? No, it's just Skype. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's a line I use all day long. Oh, it's just Skype. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's amazing that it, we, we have this tool and we're able to use it, but yeah, it definitely has its pitfalls. So, um, yeah. but that's no, kind of my approach. If I were you, that would be an approach I would do. So, yeah, because like, uh, you know, starting out from absolute scratch, like no one starts out from scratch. I feel like no, you always have like something that you're like, mm, I know where I want to go and like concepts boards and all of these kind of stuff. It's so important just to know, like, and it doesn't really need to be that clear in the beginning. You know what I mean? No, it doesn't need to. No, it shouldn't be clear really because it's going to change and you should allow it to change. Yeah. And you shouldn't try to control that too much. I mean, you should have a, uh, sometimes I'll have a very clear vision. Like recently I'm working on my next passion project, star Wars base, and I'll have like a very clear direction as to what I want the ship to be. But it mm-hmm. changes through the act of it. And I don't fight it because I, I, every time you make something, it's an iteration of an iteration. And you need yeah. to be willing to take that iteration step. I was watch, I was reading a documentary uh, document online about the Millennium Falcon. Are you a Star Wars fan? Do you know Star Wars much? I uh, know it a bit, I would say. So there's a character in there named Han Solo. He's like, like the dude. Who? You know Han Solo? He's like Harrison yeah, Ford. Yeah. So anyways, his ship is called the Millennium Falcon. Before that, they designed that ship. It went through like 10 iterations until they finally locked on what it was. I'm so glad that they did because when I saw other iterations, I was like, oh, that's so ugly. Or that wouldn't have worked or that wouldn't have been cinematically beautiful. It would have looked too much like, say, 2001 Space Odyssey. Not to say that that film was ugly. It was beautiful, but it fit that world (laughs) because 2001 Space Odyssey is very slow. It doesn't have ships and lasers and things flying around. Whereas mm-hmm. Star Wars does, you need to have that dynamic thing that fits in the frame and works and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, yeah. what I learned from that process is that it's all about iteration. You take an iteration of an iteration of an iteration and be okay with that creative yeah. process. You disassemble, you use your taste to motivate you and inspire you. And con- like when I'm drawing something, I have my, I have three monitors, so I just have my taste everywhere. Like, oh, that's cool. And so when I'm drawing, if I'm feeling a doubtful idea of a line or something, I'll look at some of my references and I go, okay, yeah. And that feeds Mm -hmm. it in real time as I create and it helps me. So, yeah. Or I watch a movie, um, you know, I study something, um, constantly observing or, or, or consuming things, you know? So, yeah, I think it's important to have that part. So. No, I think you make really good points, especially like with killing your darlings. And like, even if you made something which you look so good, but this doesn't really fit the scene, don't, don't fight it. Try to like, okay, how can I actually change this to make it work? If that's the case, do I still want the spaceship even in there or should it be something else? Yep, exactly. And, um, the art will guide itself, but it's such a dynamic dance, right? So 
when you're making something, you have to almost kind of have control, but no control, you know? And at certain yeah. levels of the process, you have to know when to leave something and when to add something. It's uh-huh. very complicated. I always attest it back to what is your main goal? And then those main goals need to have answers and reactions to what it is that you're doing. And you uh-huh. feed everything based on those answers. So like there's a ship that I'm designing, but I'm designing it based on the premise of what the key components of the character are. I use all those things to motivate the inspiration of the design. It's probably the same thing you would imagine doing like with, with a garment or something, you know, like the way that a man's body works is different than a woman's and like the way that the lines work are different. So you would have to kind of design in those parameters and work within that, but use it as a, a motivator to inspire the design. I think that's probably what made, um, Alex so interesting is because he broke those molds that were so contemporary. Like so there was such a, this is a biblical thing. And like, listen to this, this is the rules. And he was like, yeah, fuck it. You know, but he, he still yeah. managed to make it work in an interesting way. So, yeah, absolutely. and I think that's kind of what made him so special is if the world was all like him, it wouldn't, he wouldn't have been special. The fact that he was different made him powerful in his career at least that's how i feel so yeah and, and that comes <laughs> that from all his tastes sense. you know it does uh, yeah yeah absolutely having having dynamic taste really helps so um we have about maybe like about five more minutes i want to try and um answer any other questions and then kind of figure out where we're going to go from here and then give you anything that i can and then hopefully you go off and then you come back when you're ready and we'll do another episode and talk about what you've learned and questions that you've gotten. And yeah. Um, so if you were me, where would you go from here? If I was you and I need to hear your goal again, your goal is to make an animation. Yeah. So you just want to, and just for yourself, just because you want to, not because you want to work in the industry, because you want to have a name for yourself. You want to be a director. You want to be a, what, what's your, what's a bigger goal? Because if that's all it is, and that's a little bit easier, we can dine out. I could put that into a pocket. Yeah. But, you know, if I'm going to do this, aim big, like at least be able to get me a junior position within like making movies in the end of the year. Okay. So you want to be working at like an animation studio? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. So you want to be able to earn enough skills to make an animation that will be good enough to catch the attention of a possible employer. Yeah. Okay. You and like 99% of the people listening to this right now are probably in such the same situation. So this is great. Hopefully this information will bleed over to you guys as well that are listening. Um, and this, again, I always, when I give advice, this is just my advice. It might not be the right way. So maybe just listen to it with a grain of salt. So I would suggest if you, if I were you and I wanted this, I would work backwards. So I would set out a 12 month course and I would mm-hmm. work backwards from there. At the, at the end of 12 months, you would have a film. Okay. So you need okay. to work it backwards from there. You need to make a, you need to write this all out basically and make like a time list basically. So I would say, well, if you want to make like, um, an animation, then well, you need to know a lot of different types of key components. So you probably need to understand, I'd suggest maybe using after effects because it's cheaper, more usability, and you can get your hands on it. So I'd say here's a program you should probably check out after effects, try to learn how after effects works. There's a lot of really great resources. There's a really great one on, I don't just say it cause I promote it because I was a part of that school, but, um, 
let's see, uh, Jorge, uh, let's see, Learn Squared. I'm just gonna send you a link on Learn Squared. Learn Squared is a learning like um, school, basically online school. Um, yeah, isn't Andrew on that? Yes. So Andrew. So yeah. I was a part of that. I left because I wanted to focus on my own career, but I started it with yeah. Andrew and Mache. Mache is also an instructor on there. But we have a right. really there's a motion design course on there that's incredible. So you can take whatever class you want. You could learn stuff on YouTube. I don't care. But I would say if you want to fast track it, if you want to learn fast, then you buy this class and you study it. And you because uh, Jorge is one of the best in the industry and he breaks it down really well. But that's up to you. Um, but you don't have to take it. I'm just saying that it helps accelerate your learning because you're on a 12 work, 12 month um, period. You need to accelerate yeah. all your learning because you also have a full-time job and you have yeah. social obligations and a girlfriend, all that kind of stuff. So your window of time of working is probably like three to four hours a day maximum. So you, you, it's, you're against it. And then you have weekends, but then, you know, I don't know what your social life is, but you gotta kind of have to push it away. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> you can have to say no to a lot of things. Um, but that's just how bad you want it. So I would say you should probably learn after effects then you should also um, get really good with um, Blender if that's the 3D tool you want to use. Um, then you need to start studying like how film works, um, how editing works. What um, program does most of these um, uh, companies actually use though for like film, let's say? Uh, for what film though? For Spider the Spider-Verse stuff? Um, I guess so. I think that I, th I can't remember what Patrick said. Well, Patrick, I think primarily, if I hope I'm not wrong, I think he uses mostly Photoshop to do his illustrations. He could use something else. I don't know. Um, right. I don't know what they use specifically. I could imagine it's probably going to be either Maya or 3D Studio Max because they're Sony, they're a huge company, and they probably have really deep-seated professionals working at that. And they probably have a lot of proprietary stuff inside their, their system of networks. So... Mm. Yeah, you could try to learn. I mean, to you, it take you a whole year to try and learn one of those programs proficiently. I would imagine, so that might be kind of a pain in the in the butt. But you can get just as much done. The reason why I told you to check out Jorge's class is because he'll show you how it works, but at the same time, how to maximize that program because you can get a lot out of two D, especially if you're trying to do this style. I would suggest using two D and planning, like uh, map projections and stuff like that. Because mm -hmm. you can kind of cheat and fake things by using map projections and stuff like that by achieving mm -hmm. 3D looks. And you can actually do a lot of 3D kind of stuff in After Effects. So After Effects is actually incredibly powerful. And that's a, that's why I'm saying like maybe you should focus on learning After Effects. Because also um, you're a student or something you could probably just, even if, you're, if you buy this class, you can tell Adobe that you're a student. You can get student prices because I think you're a student. I think that would actually work. And it's like, I don't know, 20 bucks a month or $15 a month or something like that incredibly yeah. cheap, very affordable. So there's no zero excuse for that. Um, it's very Ram heavy, so it might kill your computer. Um, you need to have a decent amount, at least 64 gigs of Ram, but you should be okay. Um, it's just how much patience you have. So I would definitely say like learn after effects, after effects is good. Um, and I'd also just kind of work backwards. So if the film's at 12 months, let's split, split that in half. I always do dividends of halves. So let's say at six months, you need to have like, your film understood basically like the, the rough storyboard of what you want it to do, how you want it to work. And then you need to have like a good understanding of after effects. And then if you're going to use blender, a good understanding of, of blender. So if you cut six months into three months, what does that look like? And then if you cut three months into 
um, like one and a half to two to one month, what's your next month look like? And it's like, well, this first month would maybe be about learning. I'd say, don't even worry about anything else. I'd say maybe this month you just really try to master and understand the pr basic premise of how after effects works. Then next month yeah. is all about blender. So then you have two months of like really understanding two tools using those mm -hmm. tools. Then you start to map out your, your film and you start to put it together at we at month six, you should have understanding of your tools and understanding of how you're going to put your film together. Then from six to 12, you're just executing, perfecting, refining. And then by, you might finish it early. If you work really fast, you might get it done at a month eight or whatever. And then you'll have mm -hmm. enough time to maybe do another little project. And then you can kind of showcase that and share that. I would say if you have one really epic project, that's really great. It's better than like 10 mediocre ones or three mediocre ones. If you have one really great one and it really shows your skills, you can send that off to like Buck or one of these studios that are really amazing and say, Hey, look at my skills. They're going to go, okay, we feel like we can use you for this commercial or whatever. Cause that's really at yeah. the end of the day, that's all it is. They're going to use you as a mechanism to make more money so that the company can survive, you know? Mm. So it's not, it's not bad. It's just the industry It's how it works, you know? So that's how, that's why I'm hired for too. So I would do that. I would work a timeline backwards. First bit, study, learn the programs, the language of the programs, mm. then start to build out your forms of your story and your, your film itself and then work from there and keep building it from there. There's a lot of courses on Learn, Learn Squared, particularly that are um, kind of directed towards people like yourself and I, because we design the courses off the same things that I wanted to learn or Mateo yeah. wanted to learn, which is about like filmmaking and stuff. There's one called Design for Production, which is by Michael Wrigley. And he does, he goes really deep into how like productions are done with a small team. So you might need to take that class as well. Um, there's a matte painting course there too. So I would just suggest looking through learn squares classes and see, you know, you might, you might really suck at art and you might need to take like an art class to really kind of get a good, better grasp at it. So you could technically spend three to four months of your time, just taking classes, learning them so that you have enough skills so that it translate well, translates well at the end, you know? So, but you're basically like, um, you're going to be going back to school and you have to be willing to just put in all the time and manage yourself properly, you know? So I think that's very good advice. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it works for you. That's, that's what I would do. And I will, uh, I'll give you a quick, before I leave, I'll just give you and everybody listening kind of, if you don't know my story, that's kind of how it worked for me. I was working at a studio. I was happy, but I was just a junior kind of designer doing mainly yeah. like after, and I, and I was doing no animation. I was just doing no 3d. I was just doing like vector stuff and a little bit of Photoshop stuff, a little bit of drawing, but I was very much on a, on a lower level, uh, in regards to just the production side of things. And so that was like, I don't know, like eight, nine years ago or so. Anyways, um, I was happy there, but I wasn't content. I knew I needed to do bigger things and better things. Basically what yeah. you're saying to me, you want to go beyond doing fashion stuff. You want to learn 3d and kind of go into that realm. Right. Yeah. You yeah. can say that. So same goal here. So anyways, uh, after every day after work, I would come home, I'd have time with my family then from like 10 o'clock to three o'clock every night for three months, I would just work on my own work. I would look what was out there and I would work on what I was interested in. And I built up a portfolio. My goal was to make a portfolio good enough to get the attention of a studio that would then hire me. 
I sent it out to like a hundred studios and only one really replied and it was prologue. And it was like the studio I wanted to work with anyways. Anyways, that, that whole effort, I had enough skills to get me enough to get to a portfolio that was basic enough that would get me in the door as a junior basic. So I just kind of skimmed by basically. I went there, I worked there for a year and it was really intense and I learned from these amazing people. And then I took all that information and then I've been learning ever since from everybody that I can and all the professions that I worked with. So um, what I'm saying is it never ends. You're always going to learn and you're always going to have to grow. Um, But to start you off, you need to really focus on learning and putting together little goals and achieving them and really just sticking to your plan and having a good plan. That's why I say work backwards from a year. I worked backwards from three months when I did that and that helped me get to where I was, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, I expect you to be accountable for your actions because <laughs> you're going to come back here and I want to see progress. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Uh, I and actually the audience love... is listening to you. So yeah, exactly. I feel, I feel the pressure. I think that's actually quite good. Yeah. It's great. I think pressure is really great. If you're willing to step up to it, I think pressures, there could be nothing better than you thinking the moment when you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. And thinking about all the people that have listened to this, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast and they're oh, expecting you. That. Well, you better, you better <laughs> own up to it. We're not expecting you to make a masterpiece, but we are expecting you to finish up with what you're saying with your, what your words are, you know? So, Absolutely. So, and I wouldn't expect it to be a masterpiece. You know, you shouldn't be able to make what Alberto makes in a year that it makes no sense. He makes it because he's, I don't know, I think he's like 35 mid thirties or so, but he's used his whole life to get there, you know? So it does take time. So, yeah, but you know, you're gonna like, if you aim big, then you might turn out quite all right. And yeah, so if I aim, aim for being better than, uh, Alberto, then I'll probably not be there, but you know, you just be the best version of stuff. yourself, you know? And that's all that matters because if you're better than you are yesterday, then you are achieving, you know, even if it's small incremental things. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. Thank you so much for this. You're very welcome. I'm excited to see where you go with this and how you take it. And I'm sure the audience and everything, everybody that's listening to this, I'm excited to see what their reactions are going to be to this because it's going to be very interesting because, um, yeah. I, I don't know. Curious to see what's going to happen. This is literally like a mentorship, but done through the podcast. It's really interesting. So. All right, there it is. Um, super interesting episode. I hope that um, that this has given you some food for thought and some some ammo. And if there's thoughts and consideration, if I miss something, if there's something that um, that that I know I, that I that I did, didn't say that you think would be really good or important, just put it in the comments on the collectivepodcast.com slash 208. Um, there should be some show notes to this one as well. Probably not as much as most episodes because we don't, we talk about a couple of things, but um, yeah, this is a, this is an awesome episode. I'm super stoked. Also, um, don't forget we have the store at the collectivepodcast.com slash store. Got some really cool stuff there. So check that out. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I think if you do, if you purchase something within like a, a limited time, I think we, if you send us, like if you post up an image of you or the product or whatever on Instagram and tag the collective pod, that's the Instagram account for the collective podcast, the collective pod, P-O-D, um, we'll send you a, a discount code for 10% off your next purchase. So 
do that. Be awesome. Stay classy. Um, that's going to be it. Best of luck to Matias and all of you out there. Go out there. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out, everybody. Peace.